Hi friends, this is Quat. Welcome to Quat Show Radio Podcast. The name I haven't finally decided yet, but this is my podcast about medicine and uh, fundamentals of medicine and also the cutting edge stuff that's coming out in medicine. I want to tell you in a chill way so you get it. You don't have to spend a lot of time learning these things and reading these things. I tell you, I'll spend time learning and uh, breaking these things down to its minimal form, essence. And I want to tell you, so you just pick it up and go on. That's my job, to make these things easy to flow into you. So today I want to read another paper by the same author, Mark Davis. There are two other authors in this paper, but I'm reading this because Professor Mark Davis sent me this paper to read and uh, I'm very interested in uh, current state of blood and immunology. So hopefully you can take away some good stuff from here. Um, So I read the paper already and I highlighted some of the cool parts. In the last podcast, I read the whole thing with you and I got feedback from some of the listeners. By the way, thank you so much. And in this paper, I want to try a different approach. I've read it. I highlighted the gist of it and I want to just tell you those things. So let's get started. It's 1 a.m. and yesterday I wanted to start the podcast because I was reading paper and I want to deliver this complicated paper in an easy way to the world. And I'm glad that I used Anchor.fm because I went to their website, made an account, made a recording and boom, boom, bam, I have my first podcast. And tonight, I finished my second podcast with Anchor. So if you want to tell the world something that you're passionate about, download the free Anchor app or go to the anchor.fm to get started. So this paper is a review paper published in Nature Immunology in 2017. And uh, it has a few uh, parts to it, but the main theme of the paper is that it's going to go over some of the ways that we can measure broad uh, immunological uh, system. Immunology is consists of cells and cytokines and things these cells secrete. And it's basically um, a symphony. And... In the past, we've been looking at things part by part, a note by note, instrument by instrument, but now it's important to look at the symphony as a whole. And this paper talks about some of the um, ways that we can do that and reviews some ways people are doing it, etc. Okay, so let's go through the paper from the beginning. Um, First, the paper talks about how there are 350 CD, which are differentiation factor antigens, 100 different cytokines, more more than 100, and chemokines. Also, we got like, what, 30,000 genes and many, many transcripts. So there are lots of moving parts when it comes to uh, immunology. And uh, so far, there has been, according to this paper, two main ways of looking at uh, immune system. The first one is signaling-based path, uh, way. So where people look at signaling pathways of immune system, like you know, jack stat pathway, NF-kappa-B pathway, etc. That's one approach. And then the second approach, which is uh, what this paper likes, 
is an approach that looks at the cells. Um, the paper writes, specialized cells are the principal unit of activity in the immune system. So in this model, the paper suggests looking at cells and what the cell does and how it's doing things to understand immunology. So that's that. Now, if you go to the second page, um, there's a figure, figure one. It talks about a different, it's basically a picture with four different uh, areas. Each area is about a specific a main a real estate of immune system, like innate immune system, adaptive immune system, uh, things that these immune systems secrete, um, and uh, and then the elements within a cell of an immune cell. So basically, uh, like an element of this symphony, and then list some ways that people can measure things in this symphony. So um, in the innate immune system, to look at innate cell subsets, there are RNA sequencing methods, flow cytometry, cytometry by time of flight, which is cytoff, and the flow cytometry of phosphorylated proteins, which is also called phosphoflow. So these are ways that you can, you know, run to analyze, get a information from innate immune subsets. And to look at the cells, you can look at their phenotypes, of course, or you can look at their cell surface markers, receptor expressions, etc., to understand the difference between cells, to look at the effective proteins, uh, like cytokines and uh, chemokines, etc. You can look at them intracellularly by flow cytometry, or if, if you want to look at those cytokines, chemokines secreted in the serum, uh, you can use a bead-based multiplex assay, Luminex, or immunoassay kits uh, from Mesoscale Discovery Company. And if you want to look at the cell subsets of the adaptive immune system, then you can look at antigen specificity, basically uh, challenge these adaptive immune cells against antigens that you prepared to see the response, or you can uh, look at them by mass spectroscopy to um, reconstruct the kind of proteins that these adaptive immune cells have on its surface. Of course, you can also sequence their TCRs, uh, which stands for T-cell receptors and BCRs, B-cell receptors. So there are many cool ways of now um, getting some kind of information about these features of immune system. And uh, the paper says that these are new ways and people are doing these and now it's important to be able to integrate these things so we can have a better uh, um, measurements to make some kind of conclusion about health, disease, etc. Okay, now let's go back to the main text of the paper. And the paper says that it's important to have a strong focus on blood in human states because blood is everywhere. You can get blood from, you know, it's very easy to get blood, right? And paper advocates for that to be a good uh, input specimen to analyze human immunity. Um, also, because blood is a highway for all these immune symphony to talk to each other, right? So, for this reason, um, a better understanding of blood can maybe help us connect all these different melody in this uh, symphony. Now, let's talk about the next part. Um, oh, and the paper also talks about how it's very important to use human model rather than the mice model for many reasons. One, mice are inbred, they're different from human. But there's one specific example that I really like, which is that if you study the human as opposed to mice, 
you learn that there is actually less selective pressure, less negative selective pressure against immune cells that will react to your self-antigen. In other words, uh, we learn in our classes, medical school, whatever classes, that when immune cells are developing, your human body, like thymus or lymph nodes, will present your own proteins, the proteins that your own cells make to these um, maturing or growing up baby immune cells. And if these baby immune cells react to these self-proteins, which is a bad thing because you don't want your immune cells to react to your own things, because if your immune cells attack your own proteins, you get a bunch of problems like autoimmunity, arthritis, um, you know, etc. So your body has a mechanism to eliminate these self-reacting immune cells. That's what we learned. But it turns out that we learned that via a lot of my studies. And if you study the human directly, this negative selection against self-reacting immune cells less. And the author uh, says possible. this is possible because the threat of infectious disease is much greater than from an evolutionary perspective than is the threat of autoimmunity. In other words, who cares about autoimmunity as long as you can make babies and go on? What's more important or threatening is not having that cell that can react to this new uh, foreign protein that will come one day. So if an alien comes and infects you with its thing, now alien secretes a bunch of weird protein XYZ in your bloodstream. And if XYZ are very similar to your own self proteins, then you want to have those immune cells that, yeah, might attack your own self proteins here and there and cause problems, rashes, but when XYZ come, this self-reacting bad boys or bad girls can now go against these uh, foreign stuff that's very similar to yours but still foreign and protect you from potential harm. So these self-reacting immune cells actually have a little bit of a cost, which is autoimmunity, autoreaction, but has potential big upside when it comes to fighting against that possible uh, enemy. So anyways, so it turns out that if you study the mice, this negative selection is very, very strong. But if you study the human, the negative selection pressure is weaker than previously thought. And this is the specific example the author raises about how it's important to look at human uh, tissues as opposed to mice tissue. Of course, there are many more reasons that people talk about why humans are better. But I'm not going to get into that because it's obvious we should analyze human to make human conclusions for humans. And uh, I also highlighted some interesting uh, facts, information nuggets that I thought were cool. Uh, first, uh, vaccine against influenza turns out to have a very different response uh, when it comes to young people versus old people. It looks like about 80% of the young people after getting influenza vaccine is going to be a better protected, but only 30% of older people when get influenza vaccine can be uh, well prote- better protected. So basically, effectiveness is much more uh, clear in younger people than older people. I also highlighted some interesting advanced immunology here. So it looks like um, there's this pathogen called Plasmodium falciparum, and uh, if, when you get vaccinated against this pathogen, so vaccine is made out of some of the uh, proteins that this pathogen has 
some people will have immunity against this pathogen and some don't. And it looks like using all these cool assays, you get to figure out that if you have specific titers against specific uh, antigen, uh, how do we know this? By looking at your uh, immunoglobulin G antibodies against uh, sarcomporosite protein, which is protein from this pathogen. And if you have specific population expansion of uh, this protein specific CD4 positive T cells, basically T cells that is specialized in recognizing, binding, reacting, activating uh, more immune system reaction against this specific protein from this pathogen. Again, these are very specific things. Then you will have predictably a better uh, protection against the challenge of this pathogen. So the, the take home here is that after vaccination, some people will be well vaccinated, some people don't. And we can look at specific uh, antigens, sorry, specific antibodies and specific T cell populations, presumably from uh, assays like uh, T cell receptor sequencing and mass spec, etc., to figure out if a person is protected against this pathogen or not. And maybe in the future, we get to figure out why 80% of young people is protected after vaccination against influenza and 30, only 30% older people. Because there will be that specific difference when it comes to proteins or the cell types or the expansion or not. So we're at this resolution now when it comes to understanding how immunity uh, is modified. And another thing that uh, I wrote down was not just immune cell stuff, right? But the lipids and endocrine stuff, basically your hormones and your lipids, LDLH, all these things, they affect um, how your immune system matures, functions, and changes. So it's important to also tie in these just things that's circulating in your blood with your immune cells, which are also circulating in the blood to make systematic conclusion about immune cell health. And uh, I also wrote it, this one thing down, which is now it's pretty common for people to obtain multi uh, time point samples. Basically, you can draw blood before treatment, during treatment, three hour into treatment, four hour, five days, three weeks, five days, five years. You can follow up these people because it's easy to uh, get blood and uh, store them. Usually people, when they get these samples today, mainstream, people look at their gene expression via um, RNA sequencing or single cell sequencing, find some signatures, it's just try to make comment about what pathway is changing or what um, protein network is doing what, etc. So this is, again, what Arthur talked about earlier, kind of a first way of analyzing system immunology, which is a pathway-based analysis. I noted down because, you know, still um, a mainstream way of looking at these data. Okay, and let's talk about aging and immunity. Uh, I highlighted a few things. One, uh, when people age, there's going to be a sharp increase in the number of CD28 negative but CD8 positive T cells. I mean, who cares about these exact markers? But the take home is as you age, the populations with specific marker will increase or decrease. 
So we can probably use this to understand aging and maybe we can reverse the aging of your immune system by intervening with this uh, change. Also, as you age, there's going to be a loss of the T-cell uh, um, repertory. It's basically the, the variation of your T-cell decreases. And you need this variation because if you get infected by Martians with a, you know some specific pathogen, protein, whatever, I'm sure if you're healthy and young, you probably have a cell that can react to this specific enemy particle and uh, mount the immune attack to protect you. But as you age, these rare, uh, you know, I guess diverse T cells start to uh, disappear. And uh, as you also age, uh, there's going to be a slower uh, life cycle of these T cells. So it's going to take more time to produce new T cells. And uh, oh, here's another interesting thing. This involution, basically uh, kind of deterioration of T cells doesn't happen when you're really, really old. It happens starting from 20s. But the depletion of the, the, the diversity happens many decades later. So it looks like the, there's decoupling between um, how focused your T cells are and how, um, how diverse your response can be. I don't know if I can phrase this well with my current understanding of immunology, but how focused your T cells are, uh, how sharply it can react to things is different from its diversity, uh, which is a function of if you have this weird thing that attacks you, how effective is your immune system against uh, this pathogen? So I'll learn more about this, but it's very interesting to understand that there's this kind of relationship between uh, age and uh, uh, your immunity. And, uh, oh, here's a, an example using uh, f analysis, an assay of a phosphorylated transcription factors of the STAT family. Basically, they looked at a bunch of stuff, proteins in a cell that gets phosphorylated. And it turns out that you can um, see a widespread elevation of these kind of phosphorylation of uh, STAT family uh, elements especially in lymphocytes from subjects in their 70s and 80s. So the author is saying, the paper is saying that as we age, we are exposed to more inflammatory cytokines. Basically, our body is saying, oh, I'm tired, and this is broken, that's broken, all these signals. And these signals end up um, phosphorylating, turning things on and off, at, you know, these that family elements, which is a common thing. And it looks like uh, we can look at how your immune cells are phosphorylated to make some kind of a inference about your overall uh, health uh, in your body, in your blood vessels, etc. Um, so the paper says these this way of looking at your immune cells, phosphorylation, maybe other things, can be a reporter of a pathologies that might be physically. Um, happening in your body silently. It's hard to measure. When you go to doctor, doctors won't know about these things because, you know, it's subtle. But by looking at your immune cells, we can make some kind of a conclusion about your uh, your health and what's coming next. Um, and also it looks like 
as the cytokine unresponsiveness. Basically, your body secreting these SOS signals or broken signals, uh, you know, bug reports, I guess, but the your immune cells are not reacting well to them. And uh, this relationship can be assayed by looking at your phosphorylation, cytokines in your body, etc. And uh, people did that and they linked this unresponsiveness to atherosclerosis, another uh, problem in your cardiovascular system. And also, uh, certain gene modules are enriched um, for inflammasomes. Basically, these are some uh, these are groups of cells, proteins that aggregate and do some work together. And uh, some expression modules are correlated with uh, older subjects, persistent with hypertension and lack of longevity in their family history, etc. So basically, what the idea is, people with this kind of a chronic stuff, chronic diseases or family history of these things are already different from healthy, younger, or more responsible people at the level of immune cells and we can measure that. And I think that's uh, kind of exciting. Now, this part ends with how we can cast a broad net systems approach looking at cytokines, profilings, and all this stuff of molecules, innate immune system, adaptive immune system, receptors, all that to assay immune system, but make conclusion about chronic state of human uh, health. That is nice because now we can just draw your blood, look at things that we're gonna find, hopefully in the near future in immunology and make some comment about what disease you may get and what might be happening in your body. Okay. So the next part of the paper is the cancer part. And uh, cancer is what I was doing research for for a, a bit of time. And, you know, the cancer immunologist has been pretty hot. There are two hot parts in this, which is one, checkpoint inhibitors. Basically, uh, your cancer cells can tell the immune system to back off and your immune system will do back off. And the checkpoint inhibitors are medications that is against this back off signal. So if your cancer cells say back off, your checkpoint inhibitors will be like, shut up. And then your cancer cells will get to work. So that's kind of a idea of checkpoint inhibitor. And here is another hot topic, which is chimeric antigen receptor CAR T cells. Basically, these are your own T cells or somebody else's T cells that are engineered to um, bind against uh, cancer stuff. Um, the checkpoint uh, inhibitors, they've been effective, but only in a fraction of patients. Some cancers react well to it. For example, those with high mutational burden, etc. And the, the chimeric, the CAR T cells, uh, has never been effective or has not been. I don't know. Maybe there. I, I just don't know if it has been effective for solid tumors yet. But CAR T cells are usually used for blood cells. So we kind of know how to play with the immune system to go against cancer, but um, we're not that good yet. And author is saying that, or the paper is saying that um, there's a lot of potential in you know making this field better. Cool. Next um, is the autoimmunity section. Uh, I found out that's cool when you add gluten to people with celiac disease. You give them gluten, right? What happens is the expression of uh, gliadin-specific CD4 T cells will increase six days after this admission of gluten. Um, and um, it looks like 
But for these kind of autoimmune diseases, if you challenge this patient or people suffering from this with the thing that causes autoimmunity, the reaction, the flare-up, the, the causing agent or whatever, we get to now see exact change in the specific population of T-cell, their receptors, and the cytokines, the things that they secrete in a person's blood. So we can figure out um, if something is... I actually don't know why you can figure out how you know its clinical impact yet, but basically take home is the resolution is high we get to figure out a cell level receptor level what changes after a person with autoimmunity is challenged with the antigen that causes this autoimmune reaction and the paper also talks about uh, sex differences when it comes to immune system and uh, it looks like there's a difference in how your immune cells especially those in the blood neutrophils uh react in younger uh, male and females but not in the old male and female when you uh, administer i guess expose these cells to uh, systematic lupus erythematosus uh, serum so this is basically uh, i guess a serum that can cause lots of immune response because this is a disease that's known for its systematic autoimmuneness and uh, I guess the response between young uh, male and female immune system is different, but not for old people. Uh, this is interesting. I might have to do something with a hormone or whatever, but uh, we cannot uh, have a blind diet when it comes to the sex differences in biology. Also, um, the author talks about genetics. And uh, basically, these are the analysis that people do to correlate specific germline mutation with um, some kind of diseases like for example apoe is known to be correlated with uh, specific or variants of apoe right specific letters of apoe gene specific uh, snip single nucleotide change in this apoe gene is correlated with um, the likelihood of developing alzheimer's etc also braca which is a tumor suppressor gene uh, known to have specific mutations in your germline, in your sex cells, basically, that are correlated with elevated risk of developing breast cancer. So these are genetics. And it looks like the contribution of these uh, genetics is uh, low when it comes to uh, differences in how immune system act. And non-heritable influences are much more dominant. And how do we know it? Well, they've done lots of analysis, there's a lot of citations here. It looks like things like infection or infection or exposure to toxin, stuff like that, uh, have much more profound influence when it comes to how your immune system is. Uh, one example is infection with a cytomegalovirus had a substantial effect on the most of these variables. Basically, some people did analysis where when they infected a cytomegalovirus to many people, the change observed via that reprogramming of the immune system was much greater than that from the genetics. Um, and the author suspects that, all the paper suspects that it's not like one gene to one immune response relationship that's happening in the immune system, right? There are many, many, many genes that work together, many cell types, many proteins, many things work together to do, uh, to do one job. It's symphony, right? You have many instruments, many notes, etc. So, and there's also a lot of redundancy. You don't have to have three, you know, different types of instrument playing the exact same bass tone in this symphony. But the immune system has this uh, many to one uh, links 
that it's probably less useful, at least what the paper says, when it comes to looking at genetics. Okay, and the next part is BCR and TCR repertory analysis. Um, we can look at the B cell uh, antibodies at a receptor level, but it's kind of difficult to look at T cell uh, receptors at that level because they have different ways of creating that final product. They're, the immune cells basically have special ways to arrange these proteins and make a novel, unique, quote, uh, individual and, uh, you know, shape on their surface so that there's a huge diversity of these kind of individualisms in your immune system. And diversity is good when it comes to uh, fighting against potential enemy, potential pathogen, potential foreign stuff. And um, it looks like there are ways now to also look at T-cell specificities um, using mass spec and other techniques. Uh, and here I highlighted this one phrase or part. It says, while BCR sequences can often be grouped according to specifically by the observation of a cluster of somatic hypermutated immunoglobulin sequences, this mechanism does not exist in T-cell receptors, so a major question becomes whether similar but not identical T-cell receptor sequences are really seeing the same peptide MHC ligand. This is cool because just by knowing kind of expression of a protein of your T-cell receptor may not be enough because we don't know if same expressed T-cell receptors see the same uh, anti antigen. Maybe two cells have exact same expression of the same protein, but they see different uh, antigen. Um, then you can figure out if that's the case by doing some functional analysis and challenges and other things, but um, we still don't know if that's the case. This is kind of wild because now we're talking about the resolution of not just proteins and, you know, we went beyond the genetics, right? We now have the protein exact functional group domain level, but even that might not be enough because you might have a third variable that you don't know what it is that's helping you see things. So, um, humbling. Okay. And uh, also, why the paper says why? Um, even if you have antibody against viruses, these viruses can enter your cells. I mean, it makes sense because viruses... You know, you can have many viruses attack you at the same time and just by probability, you will get some infection. But the author is saying that maybe uh, there's a even more granular resolution beyond having that uh, receptor against parts from the pathogen. Just because your immune cells can detect pathogen parts doesn't mean that it's enough. And also maybe... You need a specific type of detection. Maybe there's a specific BCRs and TCRs that is critical when it comes to protecting against a pathogen. And um, the author, the paper, <laughs> I keep saying author, but the paper, because there are many authors, the paper argues that there might be a specificity beyond just the expression of these uh, cell surface proteins that is needed to have an absolute protection or prevention of entry or... Um, guaranteeing of that uh, having immune response um, and other things and finally the one of the big take home 
of this um, paper, I guess the final punchline is that we can look at immune cells uh, to do many things. And another example I forgot to mention is we can look at lymphocyte physiology to predict how well a person recovers from a surgery. And all of these examples point towards the direction where we should be able to look at somebody's blood, look at right markers to make uh, comments about somebody's health. And today, then this is how the paper ends. I'm just going to read this part for you. A case in point is that the main immunological metric used widely in medicine are white blood cell counts and the complete blood cell count. The former was developed in 1915 and the latter was developed in 1959. Is it time for an upgrade? So the punchline is, how come we're not looking at all these cool stuff that are predictive for a bunch of phenotypic responses? We should. And how do we incorporate that? Well, we need to collaborate with doctors, bioinformaticians, and scientists, and all these things. But also, we need to look people to know what to look at. And to do that, we should not study mice a lot, but let's study human. Let's get the blood. Let's do more analysis. Look at all these individual elements that are resolution of cell, the pathway, the cytokines, all these things, and figure out what are the minimum set of things to look at. If it's cheap, why not look at many things and use a machine to compute probabilities? That's probably the future. But most likely, we can find, I don't know, like 16 different markers, a combination of which can tell you a whole lot about your chronic health, your response to cancer, vaccine, and more. So that was the paper. And at the end of every paper, I want to kind of tell you... Um, the figure that I like in this paper, just one. This paper's best figure, in my opinion, is figure one. Just by looking at this figure, you see different components of the immune system. Cells, places, proteins, receptors. And next to the places, you have boxes. Within the boxes are written uh, different assays that you can run to get a lot of information about that, uh, those features in that place. So... As I said, for innate cells, you can do RNA-seq, flow cytometry, cytometry, by time of flight, cytops, flow cytometry, phosphorylated proteins, phosphoflow. It lists you different entry to get insight about what's going on there. And we need to do that a lot on human and make connections. That is the um, theme, thesis of this paper. So thanks for tuning in. This was my second podcast. In the last podcast, I read the whole paper with you. In this podcast, I read it ahead of time once, highlighted a few things. And uh, I just wanted to tell you these nice points about the paper. Uh, by the way, thank you for your feedback for the first podcast. So I'm changing my format. I'm going to keep changing and iterating until uh, I get some good response from you and uh, make something valuable for you. So um, I appreciate your support. And please subscribe to this podcast because without your subscription, um, I cannot make this podcast. And let me know what you think and what you think is good, what you think is bad about what I'm doing. And give me some ideas. So please help out. So please subscribe and tell your friends, share it. Uh, I plan to 
keep adding the interesting papers here starting from immunology because i'm very interested in that right now and um, i also want to do other things tell you about fundamentals about how things work fundamentals immunology infectious diseases maybe focus on specific one like a strep pneumo etc to give you fundamentals as well as what's latest and thank you and hopefully i'll see you in the next podcast ciao